I don't know if you've ever been at a point to where you kind of, if you guys ever had a moment where reality just kind of has, when I talk about reality, I mean truth. Truth just kind of separates everything, and for a moment you can kind of stand and see things for what they are, and, and, and consequently when you do that, you kind of look at your, you kind of examine yourself, and you think about your thinking, and you realize my thinking is off. My thinking has been deceived. I have been de- I've been deceived. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm not thinking correctly. I'm not thinking in the way I should think. And for for some of us, we start we can start down a path. For some of us, we can stay on that path for a long time, to the point to where we we lose touch of of true spiritual reality at times because um, we're, we're, we're we just dwell in this sense of deception. And and we don't we get closed off. Our emotions kind of start enshrouding us. We become it just it's it's a bad spot to be in. Some of you may be in that spot this morning. Some of you may have no clue what I'm talking about, and yet maybe at some point there's going to be a time where the the heavens are going to open up. You're going to be like, wow, man, my thinking is, has been off. I mean, it's just been off when it comes to when it comes to God and and things of my spiritual life because that really. That's what matters to us, right? Our, our right thinking of God, our theology, our, the way we view God, the way we believe God, it affects the way we live our lives. It, it has complete um, implications, uh, profound implications, upon the way in which we live out our spiritual lives. And if our thinking is off, we're in a bad spot. And that's what happened in the story. That's, I mean, we see it happening within the Old Testament with this this minor prophet. Another reason we call Haggai a minor prophet literally is because, from what I've been taught, and it might be wrong, I don't. But is that the minor prophets? Their, their their writings are shorter than some of the bigger, some of the other prophets that were called the major prophets, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Their large, their writings are very large in volume. Uh, what we call the minor prophets: Haggai, Malachi, Zephaniah, Zechariah, all some of the, some of those others that their book. So anyhow, we call them. They're, they're, they're prophets. There's nothing less about Haggai because God was using Haggai to stir the people. And the story goes, if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, but the story goes, um, the people at the time when they were still a nation, uh, they were they began to, well, first of all, let's go back to David. Uh, David wanted to build God a temple, right? David acknowledged that he was king. He had this great temple, this great you know uh, edifice for himself, and he wanted God to have something like that on earth. Uh, and he was passionate about building God a temple where God could dwell. And God said, no, David, you're not the man that's going to build the temple. You're a warrior. you got blood on your hands. Uh, your son Solomon is going to be the one. Solomon builds this incredible edifice to honor God to where people came from all over the world to either worship there or just look at the thing because it was such a uh, an accomplishment. And if you go to Israel, in fact, we're going to, I, I want to resurrect that idea there, uh, in 20, January next year, uh, literally a year from now, I want, I'm going to, uh, we're putting out a trip um, for those of you that might be interested, but it's very amazing when you go to Israel and you stand and you look at some of these places that they built thousands of years ago and your mind's like, how in the world did they do this without the technology that we, or, you know, with the tech, without the technology that we have? It, it, which it marveled people. It marvels us even to today. The people come and look at this place. Well, once Solomon died, the people turned to idolatry. God hated, obviously hates idolatry. They turned to false worship. God says, you need, you know, through some prophets, you better turn, you better turn because 
This is what's going to happen if you don't turn from your ways. They didn't listen, and, and next thing you know, exactly what God said would happen, happened to them. The place, uh, the, 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 the kingdom divides, into two, the country divides, the kingdom divides into two. You have the northern, you have the southern. Uh, the southern kingdom is where, you know, kind of where we're picking up. The southern kingdom, uh, God raised up Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon to come over and take these people in three different waves. Uh, one of the first waves was like your leaders, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those guys went in the first wave. Um, and then they came over and got like workers or, or came over and got some of you. It just, just the way they did it. So they take all these people, there's thousands of people over and then to Babylon and then they come back to, to their sacred spot, the Jews' sacred spot of the temple, Solomon's temple they had built and they desecrated it. They, they, they destroyed it. So it just kind of destroyed their, the spirit of the, of the Jews at that time. Well, they serve out the time that God said they would serve in, in, um, in, in servitude, in a sense. And it was time for them to come back. 50,000 Jews come back, and their, their, their city, Jerusalem, the temple and everything is just decimated. So they get, they get busy, and they start building the temple. They're saying, that's the first thing we've got to do. We've got to, to bring God back into our lives. We've got to build the temple. They start building the temple. Last week we talked about this. They start building the temple. Some Samaritans come over and they start opposing them and they become frustrated and they say, you know what, the heck with it. So they stop. They stop building God's temple. So then some time goes by and then we're going to pick up on this story. Uh, today, we're going to look at the, uh, 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 verse 12 of uh, Haggai. So turn with me to Haggai if you would. Or Haggai. If you go to Matthew, like we said, if you go to Matthew and literally go back just a couple of doors, you're going to run into Haggai. Haggai. We need to take a poll on how do you pronounce that, right? So Haggai, uh, we're going to look at chapter 1, verse 12, and then we're going to read through uh, verse 9 of the second chapter, okay? So let's start with verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the Lord their God in the words of the prophet Haggai, because their Lord God had sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. The Lord roused the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They began work on the house of the Lord of armies, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King uh, Darius. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, speak to the rebels, son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, to the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and to the remnant of the people. Who was left among you who saw this house in the former glory? How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing by comparison? Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work, for I am with you. The declaration of the Lord of the armies. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit is present among you. Uh, my spirit is, uh, is among you. Don't be afraid. For the Lord of armies says this, Once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come and will fill this house 
with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver and gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The final glory of the house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. So a couple of things I want to share with you this morning is one of the first things that happens when God's, it happens with us that are, that if you have an open heart and and God is able to come in and penetrate your spirit, one of the first things that happens is God stirs up this sense of hope and faith to accomplish his will. Okay? God stirs up hope and faith to accomplish his will. We read about it in our text here this morning. And, and this is exactly what happens. God has a big vision. God has a huge vision. And, and, and he gives you this big vision, and it's something that gets in your belly. It's something that gets, gets it just consumes you. It, you become extremely passionate about his vision. His vision, okay? He stirs you up. This is what God did with the people, if, we, if, you, if you caught it as we were reading our text. He stirred up Haggai. He stirred up Joshua. He stirred up the, you know, these, these Zerubbabel. He stirred up the people. He stirred them up. He stirred up the, this passion that he's placing inside of them. He's, 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 ma- he's getting it to where people begin to move. People get, begin to get excited. He stirs up this sense that, hey, we've got hope. We can make this happen. We can make sure, we can, we can do this. And it's this, this sense of, again, hope and faith that we can accomplish the will of God. Not the will of ourselves, not our preferences, not those things, but the will of God. That's what God does within us, and that's exactly what he did here. And he came and he began to do this, and he said, this is who I am. This is the Lord Almighty. I'm the Lord of the armies. We, you can do this. You can finish this temple. They kept starting it, stopping it, starting it, stopping it. And he's saying, look, this can happen. This can take place. This is what is going to happen. But here's the problem. uh, Even though God stirs us up at times, there's times we look at something and we just, for some reason, we just begin to become discouraged about it. And we're like, ah, this is pathetic. We can't do this. Uh, You know, know, and just like with the people here, it's like they kind of look at it and they're like, this is, this is crazy. You know, they're kind of building it and they're like, this, this doesn't even, they became discouraged. They became kind of embarrassed, if we could say that. They were trying to do their best to rebuild this temple, but it, it just kind of, I don't know, they just got discouraged. And, and let's be honest, isn't that the way we can get at times? Isn't that exactly the way we can get at times? Even though God stirs up this hope inside of us, it's like we, we, we begin to do something, and whether we take our eyes off Christ, whether we just we start thinking about, oh, I can do it on my own, or whatever it may be, it's like, it's like we just kind of lose sight of it and we become discouraged. And I don't know how it's for you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm not, I'm not making a statement. I'm generalizing you this, but I'm assuming that you're like anybody else. We say things like, I'm going to get out of debt, right? And as soon as we say, as soon as we, let's, just using that as an example, as soon as we say that, it's like, well, I got Christmas right on the corner. So right after Christmas, I'll, we're going to work on getting our budget straight and we're going to do this. And then the next thing you know, something else comes up, right? There's a birthday on that. There's some part, there's something that's, I need a new car. My phone just died. It's like you, you put your, you, you state it, and then all of a sudden all these things begin to happen. Next thing you know, it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged, you know? And whatever it is, I mean, it could be a diet. How many of us, how many of us, and this is where you'll leave me hanging, right? How many of us have said, I want to lose weight? 
It's time for me to lose weight. It's time for me to get in shape. It's time for me to do this. But I've got to start after that party next week. I've got that one of the birthday party in two weeks. So after those are over, then I will start. And it always seems like something comes up. The next thing you know, it's like two months have gone by. And it's just like, yeah, what's the use? What's the use? And we, we, it's easy to become discouraged. And those are just a couple examples. I don't know what it is for you. I don't even know if you'll be honest and say, yeah, you're right. I've had those in my life too. But this is exactly what happened to the people here. They began to do this. They got discouraged. And they sat down again. They backed off of it again. And God had Haggai come, Haggai come and ask this question. He says this in verse 3. Who of you is left? Who of you is left that saw the house in its former glory? Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem like nothing to you? You know, and, and God's saying, I want I, just take a look at it. how many of you know? You know, how many of you know, you know, how many of you are old enough to remember Solomon's temple? You know, how many of you uh, probably could, you know, how many of you were there and went over and then served out your, you know, your servitude, you came back, but yet you remember as a kid seeing Solomon's temple and how magnificent it was. How many of you remember seeing the amazing glory of that temple? Does this, and then kind of, does this look like that? So, and then, so then here's what can happen. And, and again, I want to be, just hang with me because it sounds like I'm, um, creating, um, uh, an oxymoron or a, a dissonance here, but I'm not. But two things can take place here out of the gate, okay? Two things. Number one, comparison and a lack of progress. Those are two things that can happen that, that causes discouragement within our lives. Now, certainly these people, um, the same thing was happening to them. They look at it and they say, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't Solomon's temple. This is, this is hideous. This is embarrassing. This doesn't look anything like what Solomon's temple looked like if there was still a remnant there. The others probably looked at it and said, wow, this, this doesn't really do a whole lot of honor for God. You know, you know, Solomon's temple was absolutely amazing. And then there's this other side of things. After we start comparing, then what happens is we lose progress. And lack of progress, everything just kind of dies out then. Everything, you know, it's not going well. We're trying hard. This isn't happening. So, you know what, let's just pull the plug on this. Let's just stop. Let's, let's quit. But listen to what God tells his people. Let's listen to what God tells his people because those two things are absolutely two, two monsters that literally just breathe in discouragement, just incubates discouragement within our lives whenever we compare with someone. If we would go over in the New Testament and we would study the writings of Paul, man, it's like that is the last thing we should ever do is compare ourselves with other individuals. We have no clue what other individuals are like regardless regardless of what we're comparing ourselves to them about, whether it's spirituality, whether it's skill set, whether it's, you know, the way they look, it's, it, they're, whatever it is, we don't have the full broad spectrum of that individual to, to sit and compare apples to apples. We just don't. We do not have that. And it's the, one of the worst things you could ever, ever do. And it doesn't matter if you're comparing yourself to other people or if you're comparing church to church or if you're comparing... You know, business to it doesn't matter. Whenever we start comparing, you're going down a road that's going to breed and incubate discouragement in a heartbeat. And the next thing that's going to follow is you becoming discouraged and you have a lack of progress. And it's just like, what's the use? I can't do this. That's because you're trying to do something that God has never asked you to do. That's exactly what takes place. 
But listen to what God says to his people. And this is very, very, because it sounds like God's sending out a mixed message saying, I want you to compare. I want you to think about Solomon's temple. But listen to what he says. He says, you know, we're building this temple. It's, it's, it's never going to be as good, as not good enough. But God's telling them that, that, that something's going to happen. Something's going to take place, okay? Now, last week we talked about um, what happens uh, when we don't know how to build the temple, right? Last week was, you know what? We just don't know how to build the temple. And God says, listen, this is all you got to do. You got to go to the mountain. You got to get the lumber. You got to bring it down and build my temple. He put it three succinct steps. This is what you do. This week is about getting discouragement. So what do we do, God? And listen to how God answers them. In verses 4 and 5 in chapter 2, he says this. Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. Even so, be strong. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work. For I am with you. The declaration of the Lord of hosts. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. So essentially the question is this. What do we do when we get discouraged? Guys, when I'm talking about being discouraged, I'm talking about our thought process is kind of becoming um, um, convoluted with deceptive thinking. I fully am aware and fully understand that there are times where us in our physical bodies have chemical uh, imbalances that there's, it's not like you can just say, okay, I'm going to stop being discouraged. When there's a chemical imbalance, we're talking about something different. I'm talking about when we are just, just receiving plain old, plain old kind of discouragement where we're entertaining it and we're allowing it to deceive us. And God's saying this, what do you do when you're discouraged? God says essentially two things, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Be strong. What do I do? Be strong. Now, again, I'm talking about, I'm talking about when God causes, God stirs us up. God stirs us up as a, as a church. God stirs us up individually, personally, where God has a specific task for you. God has a specific a specific uh, ministry for you, not just in the church, but with out, outside the doors of the church. By the way, we're going to get to that because we're using the word church really wrong right now, okay? Because we are the church. We are the temple. And God is stir, wants to stir us up. God wants to stir some of us up in here this morning. We haven't been stirred up in a long time. And we have the excuses. We're discouraged. We're defeated. We're deceived. Let me tell you why this won't work. Let me tell you why I can't do this. Let me tell you why this won't happen. And it's always external things. This person did this. That person did that. This organization did this. It's never, it's never, you know what? I've taken my eyes off God. I need to focus my eyes on Christ. And I need to stand strong. Because the Word of God tells me that I have the strength through Christ. And I can do anything through Christ, right? I can do what God is stirring up inside of me. I can fulfill that which He is calling me to do. I can't do it on my own, but I can do it through the power and strength of Jesus Christ. That's all that God has called us to do. God has never called you to step out and do things on your own. That's what we call good old plain plain fashion deceitfulness. You've been deceived by Satan because you're going to start out on your own. You're going to start out in your own talents, your own 
strength and you're going to fall flat because there's no way that we can accomplish what God is stirring up on the inside. We accomplish it through the power uh, of Jesus Christ that lives inside of us. Be strong. So when I say be strong, I'm not giving you some, but I've got to be careful because I, I want to throw out a couple of popular TV people, you know, and I'm not talking about just summing up the good old pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying you tap into the power that God has placed inside of you through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Be strong. God's coming to them and saying, I gave you, I stirred this up in you. I stirred this vision up in you. I put this vision inside of you. I put this in there and I will see to it. And he stirs it up. Be strong, he says. Be strong and not stop there, but be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Put another stone down. Put another piece of wood down. Put it together. Keep building. Keep building. Don't let go. Don't don't let up. Keep going. Do the last thing that God told you to do. Keep on doing what God has told you to do. Be strong and do the work. Yes, it's easy to give up. Yes, it's easy to let it go. Yes, it's easy to go home. Yes, it's easy to say, you know what? I don't have all the resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. I mean, we are great at incubating excuses, right? But when God says, I'm stirring this up inside of you, this is God's. And God will give you the strength and the tenacity and the, and, and the whatever it takes to finish the job that He's calling you to do, that He's asking you to do. Stay strong. Keep working. Keep laying stone after stone after stone. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says this, So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. That's the key. The key is to don't get tired of doing the good work, of doing good, because we're going to reap at the proper time. Again, this goes back to it's all in God's timing. This goes back to us just being faithful and doing what God has asked us to do and just you know being strong and working uh, and, and allowing him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through us. Be strong and do the work. Why? Because in the scripture, in our scripture we just read, he says this: "I'm with you." Why would you not? I'm with you. No one's asking you to do it on your own. No one is asking you to take the step out and do it on your own. No one's asking you to do it, do that at all. So when God's asking you, stirring that up inside of you, whatever that may be, whether it be you know, I don't, I don't know what, what God may be stirring up on the inside of you. But you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to be strong on your own. You don't have to work on your own. It's because God is with you. And in this particular text that falls in the Old Testament, we read in the New Testament that God's not only with us, but He is in us. And that's another passage that I want to share with you here in just a few moments. But I want to prepare our hearts for that point. That God is in us. Okay? That we don't have to be afraid. I am with you. My spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. God, in the New Testament, we celebrate, uh, not just celebrate, but we live in the truth that as Jesus says, I am, I'm in you. I'm in you. 
And this morning, I want us to take a minute, and uh, Melissa's going to come, and she's going to uh, play some soft walking music for us, okay? But what I want us to do, we're going to celebrate communion. And what I want you to do is you celebrate communion. And again, it, it doesn't matter if you're uh, um, a member of Element or a frequent attender or whatever. The only, the only thing that matters is, is that you're a, you're a member of the family of God. And I, I, that's, that's on you. I, I, no one can determine that besides you and God. But that's the only, that's the only thing, the only requirement that, we, that, that the Scriptures teach us about taking communion. We believe at Element that there's not anything that magically happens with communion, but it reminds us. It's symbolism. It's symbolic. And what is it symbolic of? Various things. It's symbolic, obviously, of Christ dying on the cross, right? For you and I, for our sins. But this morning, I want us to think about something and think about it. It's symbolic that, he, yes, He did die on the cross and He lives inside of us. So this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're a Christian, I want you to come and I want you to take communion. And then we're just going to close with a couple points afterwards. But I want you to come and just help yourself to communion. And uh, if you would, take your, take, just come up, take some juice, take a piece of bread, go back to your seats, and then we'll do it together, okay? But as you do that, and maybe you need to spend just a couple seconds, a couple moments before God. Maybe there's something between you and God right now in your fellowship where you'd say, you know what, I'm, if you were truthful, I'm not in a good spot. And, and maybe it's a time where you just pause for a moment and you just reflect and you just pray out to God. And say, God, can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me of what I'm struggling with? And, and maybe this is the time where you get to reconnect with God. And, you know, not, not that He's disconnected from you per se but you've got some things that kind of blocks that fellowship maybe you're first maybe this is a day where you're you're not a child of God but right now God's pressing heavy on you and all you're going to do is turn and you're going to see him standing there with open arms and maybe this is the first day you're going to trust him with your life your salvation and you're going to say God here's my life I'm trying to do it on my own I'm messing things up. I'm trying to do things on my own. It looks okay at times, but in the big scheme of things, I'm kind of scared. The point is, I don't know where you guys are at in your life, on your walk, your spiritual journey. But use this as a moment to just reconnect or connect with God in a deeper, intimate way. But as you come, just come and, and reflect on the the that the the joy truth that he lives inside of you. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Would you do that as Melissa continues to play? play? Please come, grab your juice and your um, bread and take it to your seats and just wait. In the, um, we read this passage Scripture found in verses 6 through 9. I just want to share it with you very quickly. He says this. God comes and he says, he, he says I, want you to look at, I want you to look at this and tell me if it's like Solomon's temple. If you remember Solomon's temple, does it look like that? Does it look like that? But instead of like, and again, not negatively comparing, but, but he's getting ready to make a point. In verses 6 through 9, God says something where you kind of scratch your head like, what? What are you talking about? He says this. 
the Lord of for the Lord of Armies says this once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, so that the treasures of all the nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. Says the Lord of Armies. The silver and gold, I love this, they belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. And then he says, the final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of Armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. What? What are you talking about? Do you not see this shack that we're putting together? This doesn't look anything like that. Of course it doesn't. This is a bit of what we call foreshadowing of what's to come, correct? You see, in the Old Testament times, where do people have to go to kind of connect with God? I mean, in their perspective, where did they go to connect with God? They went to the temple. To what? To worship, right? To worship, to sacrifice, to do those things. That was worshiping God. That was giving Him glory. That was saying we... You know, that's where sins were forgiven, right? The priest would, you know, do all those things. That's where they had to go in Old Testament times. New Testament times, where do we go? Right. The temple went from ex, the temple went from some physical building to where? Here. You see, that's why sometimes when you talk to people, It kind of rubs the wrong way when we talk about church and we refer to this. This, this building. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to rebuke or anything like that. I'm trying to give a perspective that guys, this is temporary. This is nothing. This is nothing. I'm not trying to split hairs here. Please don't get frustrated with me. I want you to embrace the truth of what God has done in our lives. We are the temple. We are the church. That isn't some, well, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean. Because the last time I checked, Jesus Christ died on the cross and he said this, I will live in you. You are the temple. That's why you are sacred. That's why human life is very sacred because Jesus Christ died for you. He died for you. And as you received that free gift of grace and salvation, it wasn't just for you to just kind of bring it all in like, wow, God did this for me. It was it, It's coming in and saying, you loved me that much? And our hearts should be tender. Our hearts should be stirred. When we talk about God stirring in our hearts and stirring in our bellies and stirring in our souls, that's what we're talking about. What is God doing in His temple right now in each and every one of you? So when we get discouraged and we back off, we're not bringing God glory. God's saying, continue to build my temple. How do we build His temple? We continue to evangelize. We continue to serve. We continue to, to, be, the, the, to be the people that God has called us to be, to be the temple that God is building us to be. 
So the message this morning is, guys, don't get discouraged and don't get deceived. We are the temple. You are sacred if you have Christ living inside of you. Okay? And that brings us great hope because God is in control. God is in control. If you're a follower of Jesus, He is dwelling inside of you. It means that we don't have to be discouraged. It means that we're not alone. It means that God is not calling us into something that He's never at, or that God is calling us into something that we can't do. God is calling us into something that He wants to do in and through us. And He, he, he is building His temple. And you're a part of that. And because of that, I want you to stand with me. And I want us to take the, sec, the, the, I want us to take the juice and the bread. And as we do that, I want us to remember that Christ lives in us. Christ lives in you. You are the temple. There's, when we say we're going to church, that doesn't make sense. We are the church. We are the body of Jesus Christ. Don't demean yourself when you say, I'm going to church. And again, I'm not splitting hairs. I'm just saying that there's so much celebration that goes in understanding uh, who God is and what He has done for us uh, through the work of the cross. So this morning, let's remember that He died for us and and that His body was broken for us. Let's take the body and eat it. And then lastly, let's take the juice and let's remember the blood that was shed for you and I. Jesus, as we conclude our time here this morning, as we gathered here together as the church, I pray spirits of discouragement has been blown, has been blown up and eradicated. I pray that instead of spirits of discouragement in this room, or deception, or deceit, or convolutedness, or frustration, all these spirits that are not of yours, I pray that they had no room or space in here this morning because your presence was here. And I pray in the name of Christ that we would be free of those. People that have been struggling with discouragement for years, I pray that they would be they would walk out of these doors and free of that of that spirit. May they understand that you are living inside of them. And they have the power to live and to build and to glorify the temple that you've called them to build. Father, right now I just want to lift up Lori Mosley to you. Many of you, many of us know Lori and and the the tragic loss that she has experienced with her uh, boyfriend of 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 long time, him having a stroke and passing away immediately. We just lift her up to you. We lift up the rest of the family as well. So easy to be to to, to have news like that and to to be deceived and to slide back. But instead, we pray that your presence would just surround Lori and the family in a very, very, very powerful, intimate way. Father, just stir with inside of them hope. Stir with inside of them knowing that you're in control, knowing that you've got all things in your hands. And may we find that sense of peace through you. But we lift her up to you right now and pray that you would just remind her
that she is a daughter of yours. And I pray all of this in the most powerful, most loving name of you, Jesus Christ. Amen.